I'm Cody Watson, and that's Phil Shelley, and you are listening to the Christ Over All podcast. Welcome back to the Christ for All podcast, where we are talking about today is sermon preparation and uh, how we as uh, believers can benefit from it and just getting you a little more into depth on what sermon preparation is like uh, for the pastor and how it's beneficial to you for the um, the member of the church as well. So uh, today mm. we are talking about, oh, first let me introduce Cody to you. Cody, say hello. Hey, guys. <laughs> We're so bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Only like three people are listening. So uh, the passage for today is a very familiar passage. So we're going to be talking uh, and using this passage to springboard onto sermon preparation. So the passage today is 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, and we're going to go into a few verses Mm. into chapter 4. This is what it says. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Starting in chapter 4, I charge you in the presence of God and the Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passion and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myth. So, Cody, hmm. the ultimate question for today is how does this passage talk about sermon preparation? You know, I think this, found, this passage doesn't necessarily talk about sermon preparation as much as it talks about the doctrine of Scripture and the need for preaching that kind of lays the foundation for sermon preparation. Uh, If we truly believe that scripture is what this passage says it is, if we truly believe that it is the word of God breathed out by God, we truly believe that it's able to change lives, then the next passage that commands us to preach the word means we have to prepare to preach the word. We have to know the word. It has to change us from the inside out. And so we have to be changed by the word have the word live in us, and then we proclaim it as heralds of the gospel. It is vitally important. And so our doctrine of what the word is leads us to believe in the power and uh, primacy of preaching in the church. You know, I think a lot of churches have gotten away from believing that preaching matters, you know, from shrinking preaching down to 10 minutes to to emphasizing other aspects, which are all valuable and important. Music is important. Small groups are important. But preaching is one of the main ways that God grows his people. And so it's vitally important. You know, what do you think? No, absolutely. I think it is. It is vitally important. We should never overemphasize one thing over another. God uses all things uh, that he's instructed us to do to grow his body. And this is one thing we should not neglect uh, without a doubt. Um, So, but, I guess to start things off here, just uh, it's kind of a, it's a random question, but has has everything to do with, with just the preparation involved. And so, in the context that I'm in, my elders go through a book of the Bible or a couple books of the Bible every year, depending on the length of these books. 
it's like for and it always has to do with the theme that we're going through. It's why this year's theme is engaging um, our culture, our community, our friends around us. And we've been going through uh, the book of Jonah and then also writing out the book of Mark. Um, and that's where, it's, and the next year we'll tackle another book of the Bible. Uh, that's just the way we do things oh. in our church. But it, how do you, as a pastor, uh, prepare for sermons and series and stuff like that? So I learned early on that if you're not planning ahead, you're falling behind. Like I have had to, in my own personal life, I always make sure that I have at least the next quarter to half year planned out. Right now, I have all of my preaching planned out really honestly through the end of January. Now, that's loosely, like things can change as circumstances change. Um, I'll be honest with you, you know, as I was planning on preaching in January, my plan got thrown out the window when the coronavirus hit. I had to change what I was planning because people were dealing with different things that needed to be addressed. Uh, There's times where your plan has to change, but in general, it's good to be planning ahead. And because I plan ahead and because uh, I work ahead, typically um, I'll work a lot on my main sermon for the week, like whatever I'm preaching on that week, but I'm able to work a couple weeks ahead so that uh, I can get time into those messages that they really need uh, without spending 40, 50 hours a week on one message. And that, that is definitely a long time to spend on uh, a sermon. Uh, I, I am a little bit uh, envious of Cody because I, I've taken a couple classes on how to uh, interpret the Bible and also to prepare a sermon for. I am doing seminary education and it's, I can't, I, I am awful at doing it just because I'm not used to doing it. But uh, I do feel for the, the pastor who doesn't plan ahead because there's no way I could ever do it making it up week by week. It is so much more wiser to do it that way. Yeah. Um, so um, let's venture off into why this matters. Now, we talked about planning ahead to develop a series of sermons, whether it be a book of the Bible or a topic and stuff like that. But what are some of the steps we can venture into when we're talking about certain preparations, what we want to talk about? So I'll talk about the first one. So I'll talk about the first one and I'll let you um, jump in in a second. And the fact of studying a passage of the Bible. So you've already figured out where you're going to be at for the week or the next couple of weeks and you begin to study the passage. Now, this is important because this is the same, as our audience should know this, the same interpretation methods and studying the Bible that they do. We are ourselves to develop sermons to the exact same thing. We look at a passage in its context, where it was written to, when it was written, how it flows through the rest of this book that it might be in, the letter it might be in, and how it also flows through the rest of the entire storyline of the Bible. I mean, this is it's very basic interpretation, but sermon prep is more than that. So, Cody, that's the spring where we always start from. Where do we, where do you go after that? So you you're right. You're absolutely right. We have to get that foundational level f- right first, but then we have to be able to condense what we're saying into uh, a communicable truth. Um, You know, I go to New Orleans, Phil goes to Southeastern, and every professor has their own word for this. Um, But what what we call it at New Orleans is the ETS, the essence of the text in a sentence. Uh, There's also the ESS, or the essence of a sermon in a sentence. And those two have to flow out of each other. 
you have to be able to, as you're developing the sermon and studying what you're reading, to know what your main point is going to be. Now, you'll have sub points, you'll have arguments, you'll have illustrations, you'll have all of this stuff that builds off the main point, but you've got to know your main point. So once you've known your main point um, and you've studied the scripture and you're starting to develop your outline, um, you know, then you need to, once you understand the text, after you've done all that is when I go to the commentaries. Uh, not until I understand the text on my own, not until I have a general outline on my own, but not until then do I go to commentaries. Uh, and then, Phil, I think you had a question about commentaries or something related to that uh, about sermons. Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> I do. I should have wrote that question down. And I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> um, this is what happens when we don't prepare completely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, one question. I See, preparedness <laughs> is important, guys. Being prepared is important. Uh, so some people. It's ironic that our least prepared podcast is the one on being. This prepared, is this is it? very true. It's been a busy week, guys. It's been a very busy. We were both dealing with life today, uh, this week. Uh, so, yeah, something that I don't do uh, anymore. I used to do more, but I just don't have the time to. Do it. Some people listen to sermons, and some people to prepare them for what they are going to preach. That's something you do, Cody. How does that play into what you do? So there's two dangers here. One is you listen to sermons and you copy sermons. You preach someone else's message. That's, That's a danger. Plagiarism. Like you don't want to preach. It's plagiarism. <laughs> you don't want to preach someone's exact sermon. But there's also the danger of not listening to the wisdom of others. And so uh, I try to find a balance. Once I've done all of my work, once I know what I'm going to say, then I check it with the commentaries. And then I listen to sermons because commentaries is really checking your exegesis. You want to check to make sure you've done the right exegetical work. When I listen to sermons, I'm listening for the application side of it. I want to listen, is there another way I can apply this text that could be helpful to someone who's not me? Uh, when I study the Bible, a lot of times I study it just to apply it to my life. But I also have to study the Bible when I'm preparing to preach to apply it to other people's lives. And so it's good to hear from a lot of different perspectives and voices um, you know, I listen to, um, to black preachers. I listen to older preachers, younger preachers, those who preach in a more formal context, those who preach in a more relaxed context, um, those who preach in suits and those who preach in jeans. Like, like it's good to get a different perspective and hear from different styles so that you as a preacher can think through, how am I going to preach this through my lens to my particular context? You know, this week I'm preaching on Psalms 127. And the Psalms 127 is all about like resting in the Lord and trusting in the Lord in your family, in your job and everything. Well, for me, that speaks to me personally a lot, but I've got to also look at other people's lives and try to learn how to apply it to their lives. So it's part of uh, building a sermon is bridging those contexts. And so, um, you know, when you're developing your outline, your introduction and your conclusion and your applications you're trying to hook them in and you're trying to um, get it to where your people are hearing the word in the same way it's impacted you already. Um, and so that's why all of that has to flow. Like you can't just sit down and write your introduction first. You've got to know what you believe and then you try to hook people in. Like, and so your sermons kind of work backwards. Like you write your introduction almost yeah. last. 
like once you know the text and once you know what you're going to say and once you know how you're going to apply it, then you figure out how you're going to hook people in. Uh, and that's kind of weird. You know, I write my, my introductions typically get written on Thursday. Um, and so, um, but yeah, so yes, dead air. Phil. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> I got, I literally got lost in our nose. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so I do want to point out one thing real quick is that um, for our audience, this is the mind of a pastor in that he, when he's preparing his sermon, he is thinking about you. He's thinking about the children of the audience, the parents, the college students, uh, their professions, how they work, where they work at, the retirees who have mm. grandchildren, uh, the lost people mm. that are, might be coming in the door that, that Sunday. He is thinking about those mm. people. It's not just mm. him and his Bible underneath the tree. And he's not thinking about it. He's, he wants wisdom in so he can give you wisdom from God's word. Or he's not, doing, he's not mm. being the, the proper shepherd of his flock. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So what do we, um, you know, as we're looking at format and stuff, um, you know, Phil, um, what do you think about the whole, like when you're preparing, do you prepare a manuscript? Do you prepare an outline? Uh, do, what do you do? So, um, this, uh, I don't know if this is for my good or not. Uh, so, uh, part of my class that took this, uh, summer, we had to do manuscripts and outlines. He, we had to do, uh, two manuscripts and three outlines. And mm. coming from a person who hates to write. Uh, I, I literally don't like writing at all. Um, I don't like the manuscript, but the manuscript is good because it helps you flesh it out. So, mm -hmm. but for me, since I don't like writing, I would prefer a detailed outline over a manuscript anyway, because it's easier for me to read, to look at, and then I can, instead of, because I feel like it doesn't, it helps me not do things word for word. It helps me to look at things and it's easy for me to add where I can make point. That's just me personally. I don't like doing that. Yeah. You know, for me personally, I've done it all sorts of ways. Like when I first started, I was a manuscript guy. Like I came into the pulpit with 15 pages, like single spaced, like ready to go, <laughs> like massive. Every word I said was on the page. And then as I got older, like I started moving down to an outline and then eventually uh, when I had to do it every week, like when it took time to do yeah. that, uh, I got to the point where I was preaching with, um, you know, when I was preaching with youth, it was just a PowerPoint and that was it. And then there were times where when I was preaching on Sunday, I preached with no notes, just my Bible. Oh. Um, and I can still do that to this day, but I found that I found a happy medium in a simple outline with uh, typically what I'll have in front of me when I preach is um, like whatever I hand out to the church. I have an outline for them to follow along and um, the main point. Um, that's what I bring in the pulpit with me. And it, it, it enables you to be flexible when you're preaching because uh, if it requires you, one, to know it yeah. by heart, it requires you to know what you're going to yeah. say. And if I'm going to take time and work, I would rather work preparing my message and practicing it with my words than typing yeah, it out yeah. because typing it to me is different. Like the way I would phrase something speaking is different than the way I would yeah. type something. 
And so I would much rather know what I'm going to say than to have to read what I said and think through. But, you know, um, different preachers do it different ways. Jonathan Edwards, when he read his great sermon, when he uh, preached his great sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, literally looked at his paper the whole time and read it in a monotone voice. And people were wailing and repenting. So, I mean, God uses different people in different methods. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I definitely Uh, couldn't do it. Um, I could not read it word for word. That's just, it's just too much. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you think, like when you took this class, like, and you had to prepare a sermon, how long did it take you to prepare one? Um... Now I will say it is different preparing one for yeah, a class than it is for on a week to week. It took no, um, yeah. it took me <laughs> for the main to write the manuscript. It always took me ten hours. Right, it takes me ten hours to write a yeah. manuscript. I'm I'm just not a good typer, and, and yeah. so it's it, minimum took me t- preparation probably thirty, twenty five yeah. thirty hours. And when I got started, and now Phil and I are in completely different places. Phil serves and, and works and leads a lot of Bible studies and helps uh, at his church and shares the gospel regularly. But I do a lot more preaching in my job because it is my job. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was <laughs> listening to someone the other day, listening to sermons, by the way. I was going to steal this joke. Um, it was actually, I was listening to J.D. Greer, and he was talking about his people and how the people are called to do the ministry. And he said, you know, I get paid to be good, but you guys are good for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I think it's, I get paid to preach. Phil preaches for nothing. Um, (laughs) But with that being said, that means I've had to do it over and over and over again. And I don't think I'm quite at the uh, Malcolm Gladwell says you've got to be 10,000 hours to be an expert at something. I don't think I'm there yet. But, um, you know, I have learned that I don't have 30 hours in a week. Like if I work 50 to 60 hours in the church office, I've got like today, I've been in three different meetings. I've had to call people. I've had to plan a VBS. And so I may only get like an hour or two to work on my sermon. And so I've had to work, um, you know, there's a book I'm going to recommend at the end called Eight Hours or Less. And it tells you how to take that work that you would normally take 30 hours and condense it. And it's by working on your productivity. It's by making sure you're not wasting your time. And I'm not saying that you were, Phil. I'm just saying like you, you know your resources ahead of time. And if you planned in the weeks in advance, like if you're like me, like right now, like I've been uh, writing the introduction. I've been writing the outline and my main points for Haggai, which I'm preaching in two weeks this week so that when I get there, so the Monday that I start Haggai, I'm going to be only working on my outline. Like I've already gotten the main ideas down. So I'm just doing the quick stuff. Folks in the audience, it is not pronounced Haggai. It is pronounced Haggai. I've heard it both (laughs) ways. (laughs) I've been watching... I've been watching a lot of Psych lately. Did you ever no, watch No, I never watched Psych. Maggie loves it, but I, I'm just not a Psych fan. You were a I burn am, notice no, I am. I, it's, not a, it's not past tense. It is present tense. I am a burn notice fan. One of my favorite jokes is when the main character in Psych mispronounces something. He always corrects the person and goes, I've heard it both ways. 
<laughs> so with that being said, Phil, um, I think we're getting close to time. Um, you know, uh, there's different topics we wanted to talk about the difference between exegetical and topical sermons, uh, just to cover that real yeah. quick. Um, both of us believe firmly your sermon needs to come from the Bible. And if your sermon is something you're pouring into the, like you're reading into the Bible, it's a well, bad Let's sermon. be clear for a second here. Your sermon not only needs to come from the Bible, but it needs to come from the text you're preaching on. And there's got to be some truth from the text you're preaching on. True. Uh, but we will say yeah. that there are, I will say this, and you may not agree. I think there's a dangerous aspect that neglects doctrinal preaching um, because you think about doctrines like the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity is taken from the entire Bible. And so to preach on the Trinity, you can't always preach on just one that's, passage. That's, 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 You've yeah. got to pull from. That's all right. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And so doctrinal preaching or even good topical preaching is where you take what the Bible says and you do the work of a systematic theologian. Uh, you know, it gets down to what's the difference. Um, you know, Phil and I used to have this discussion all the time. Um, in theology, there's two, there's three main types of theology. There's uh, systematic theology, biblical theology. Hold on. So there's three main types of theology. There's systematic theology, uh, biblical theology, and historical theology. Historical theology is where you take a doctrine and trace it throughout church history. Biblical theology is where you take a particular text and you talk about the theological doctrine that relates to that particular text in its context. Now, systematic theology is where you take the entire Bible and say what the entire Bible has to say about a subject. Most exegetical preaching or verse-by-verse -verse preaching is biblical theology. Mm -hmm. Most topical preaching, if done rightly, should be systematic theology. Our people need both. Um, Ryan Putman, who's a professor at New Orleans, is actually no longer a professor at New Orleans. He just oh, took yeah. over as a dean of a, yeah. of, of a Bible college. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. where. Uh, I took his class on apologetic preaching, and he, he kind of gave the advice that you should kind of do a two-thirds split. Two-thirds of your preaching should be uh, exegetical, and about one-third should be doctrinal. That way that your people are getting... Um, you know, if you have a congregation that, that changes every two to three years, you want to preach the whole council. And if you're just preaching through Romans in two years, you're not getting the whole big no, picture. No. So um, with that being said, Phil, what can the average person learn from this? So I hope the average person does learn that sermon preparation first and foremost is for the congregation to, for it to be built up, for the body to be built up, to be edified, to be exhorted, but also at the same time that it is also for the believer to have a part in this, but they have a part in um, coming prepared to, to hear God's word, coming prepared, knowing the passage ahead of time is also good. There's also, it challenges them to study the Bible for, them, for themselves, because Cody and I would both agree with this that our interpretation of the passage is grounded in God's word. But we, mm. there are some places we probably could be wrong and we could be corrected. We could be fleshed out and feedback is always good for that type of stuff. You know, and I will say, you know, we talked about commentary work earlier. The point of commentary work is to check your work. 
You know, like we as pastors, if we're wrong, if we look at church history and we look at what other pastors have said and no one agrees with our interpretation, we may be wrong. And so we've got to go back and reinterpret. Uh, And so with that being said, Phil, uh, give me your recommendation for this week. What book on sermon preparation do you want to recommend to people? So I have a short book that is called, (laughs) what was it called? It was called Preaching by the Book, Developing and Delivering Text-Driven Sermons. This is like a small 120, 150 page book, I think. And it's kind of like the bare basics of which you started. I think it's great because it's concise, but thorough at the same time. Just walking you through the interpretation process, also helping you deliver to develop the sermon at the same time. What about you, Cody? And so I have two. I just changed mine because I just remembered. I think it's one of your professors who wrote one of my books. Uh, One is Eight Hours or Less. I've already mentioned that. That is a fantastic and very practical book. It doesn't give you an overview on how to do it so much as how to schedule it and work it out in your own life so that you're not falling behind. Preachers, we've got to be good at time management. If you're not, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Hugh Lee. I'm looking at it at my desk. I can't get up to get it because I'm connected oh, yeah. to cords. But Hugh Lee, uh, great book, though. And the other book I want to uh, recommend is Greg Heisler's uh, Spirit-Led Preaching. I think I pronounced his name right. He's a professor at Southeastern, and he wrote a book on relying on the Spirit uh, while preaching, trusting the Lord. Uh, it's very um, – it's not mystical. It's very practical. But it's also, uh, it reminds you that preaching is supernatural, that it's not just a lecture, that it's not just, like, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I would recommend that book. And then the last one I'd recommend is Preaching for the Rest of Us by Robbie Gallaty. Um, It's a very practical book on the steps you need to take. I oftentimes, if I'm struggling to write an introduction, I'll pick up and read his chapter on how to write an introduction. Uh, because, you know, we all get stuck yeah. like every week. Uh, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I can tell you, uh, as for those who are listening who write sermons, is that uh, no one warned me of this in seminary. Wednesday and Sunday come around every week <laughs> quickly. So you've got to have a plan and you've got to be prepared. And so with that being said, Phil, you got anything else you want to say? Grace and peace. Peace and grace, guys. Love and cheese.